You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Thank you, Highland, for bringing our church here to be with you. This is a big deal. We're not used to walls. This is scary. We are so thankful. And it's a really pretty day. You could have come outside with us today, but we we love it on those days that... uh, we get to come here when it's really, really cold. So thank you for being here with us. Uh, I, uh, am, am I good? Um, I want to see who our church, I didn't get to see my church members that are here. If you're from Church on the Bridge, will you stand up real quickly and let me make sure I know you're here. I'm going to get on to you if you're not. Um, all right. All right. I, uh, I think you know this, but I'm old. Uh, I was the youth director here 55 years ago. Really. I uh, have some of the teenagers that were in that group here now. Alan, stand up. Steve McLean, Elizabeth Norwood. Who else, who else is here? These are the ones that were in the youth group. They are old, too. When the youth, <laughs> when the youth group turns 69, you don't have long to live. It's just... <laughs> But I love the fact that uh, I get to be here and that they're here with us. Um, I had, I'm still around teenagers. I guess I'll always be till I die. But uh, I had one of my kids under the bridge last week ask me, did I have a pet pterodactyl as a child, as a friend? <laughs> and and we want to know, was Benjamin Franklin a good kid? Uh, they just continue to mess with my, my life. And I, I, but I love that. I love teenagers. And thank you for having a big youth program here. I... Uh, um, was here in 1969 as the youth director for five years. Uh, was at Baylor in the ministry guidance program. I came out here to do ministry guidance, and uh, the youth director left the next year, and they asked me to stay on. So I stayed here about six years, and it's been so fun to stay in the same community with Highland and watch what God has done with this church. It is amazing. I was thankful, so much thankful, uh, to be a part of your 100-year anniversary this year. What an incredible time that was of worship and seeing people from all over come together to be with you. And uh, that same weekend, we did have a youth group reunion. 44 of the teenagers in the youth group here came back from all over America to be together for a weekend, and we celebrated and sang the old songs and were together. So it's been so fun to be a part of a community. And Waco has a lot of challenges. I didn't know that when I came to Baylor. But as many of you know, this is a challenged community in some ways. Uh, We have so many assets, but we also are a city of poverty. More than most cities of a poverty rate of about 13.3%. Waco's poverty rate has been around 28% most of the time. So we have a lot of poverty here in town. And as I moved out of this world into the city and more committed to the community that uh, I still am privileged to be around, uh, it has been such a privilege to be out there. And I love it when the two of these come together. I uh, also want to say thank you for your help in paying for my new church facility. Um, if you've never been to Church Under the Bridge, we literally are under the bridge over on I-35 and South 4th Street. The old bridge, really there was two bridges with a muddy part between, and uh, there, there were just a few lanes, and it was mostly alcoholics, mentally ill guys coming out of county jail, and just a real messy little Bible study that grew into the church. But we loved it, and it was a great place because they wanted us to to meet them on their turf, and we included them in what we did. But through the years, as we've grown, uh, 
Tex Dot saw the importance of building us a bigger church building, and so we, you've paid for our $341 million sanctuary, and I want to say thank you. It really, it really is nice. It's all concrete now. Uh, it's, uh, it's really big. And um, we also have the, the lights. You've seen the big lights yet down there. If you haven't driven by 4th Street and Interstate 35, go by there. And um, Bradley Ford's here today. I want to say thanks to the city for seeing how important we were as a church that he built us lights. And uh, we just really appreciate the, the fun of being out there each week. So in all those days that you need a change, feel free to come on over and, and worship with us. I, uh, it's at, this is at the annual change Sunday. Uh, tomorrow is um, New Year's, and it's so fun every year that we begin a little bit to talk about change. I know it's always there. We need to change, but this is the time of year we think, I need to make a resolution. So I want to talk just a bit about that. So let's do the first slide. Uh, this is uh, 2024. Let's see if we get this. There you go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. I want to talk this morning about some of the change process, but I want to talk about what people think that they need to change first. So I want you to look at the next list and see where you fit on this list. Uh, let's go through that list. How many of you here, number one is still your number one, to lose weight, to exercise more, and eat better? That's still your number one. Be honest. I will not have you stand up. Um, <laughs> That typically it comes out over 53% of people every year say in their resolutions that's their number one choice. Number two, save more money. Uh, how many of that's your choice? That'd be way high on your list, okay? Number three, pursue a new ambition. You're tired of what you're doing, you want to do something different. That, how many of you are ready for that? That's really a, not, not many raise their hand, but that's a bigger deal than I thought. Spend more time with family and friends. How many of that'd be real high with you? Yeah, good. The next one. Volunteer more. I want to talk about that and just, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, volunteer more. I'll talk some about that in a minute because I think that's an important one. Spend less time on social media. Raise your hand if you know you need to do that. You're, right now, as I say that, you're putting that on Facebook and texting it, right? Uh, it is such a, an, a uh, part of our culture. We just can't not do that. Change a bad habit. Raise your hand. I won't even ask you out loud what that habit is. Look at this little three-year-old. What are you doing so well? Yeah. We all have our bad habits, and this time of year we think, okay, I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to brush my teeth regularly now this year. I'm going to try to be a better person. We, we just, that's a part of the new year, right? And so I want to uh, go through in a minute just some of the challenges of that. But I want to ask you before I do that to add a couple things to your list. I grew up middle class Christianity. First Baptist Church, Conroe, Texas. I'm so old, I left Conroe to come to Baylor and there wasn't even a lake in Conroe. And so it's been a change city as well. But I, I, uh, I really loved my background. I, have, I'm, I am really religious. I have a seven year Sunday school attendance pen. Does anybody here have more years of continued Sunday school attendance more than me. There's always one or two. Who is it? Who are you? Never missed a Sunday? Oh, you're out there somewhere. I, 
I had, I had my Sunday school pen put on my tie so people could see it. On the first year, you get a, the, the, the pen, and then you get a little bar on the second year, and then you start putting the bars down below. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, I just was so proud of the fact, and I didn't cuss, and I didn't get drunk. I was not the bad kid. A small town, but uh, there were, I grew up in the hippie culture, grew up in the drug culture. A lot of change was going on, Vietnam, et cetera. But I was one of those good kids, and uh, I, I look back with thanks to my home church that I had that chance to grow up in a church that brought me to faith, discipled me. But there were parts of the Christian faith that I didn't get at Hometown USA, and perhaps that's similar to some of your experience. We grow up in a place that's like us. We love being around people who look like us, think like us, have similar incomes, perhaps live in the same neighborhoods. But as God has continued to work on me through the years, I've come to realize that we miss some of the greatest privilege we have as Christians, and that has to be a whole community. We have a saying at Church on the Bridge, it's black, white, and brown, rich and poor, educated in the streets and in the university, all serving the same God who makes us one. I believe that's part of the call of all the church. Now, every church doesn't have to look like Church on the Bridge. But I want to tell you, I've learned more about the kingdom of God and the brokenness of people who have sort of been forgotten in the church because they don't fit. They can't be still long enough to listen to a sermon. They have a background. They have issues. We have a man that comes right now to our church who literally thinks he's Jesus. He walks around and talks constantly. He's schizophrenic and can't even get rid of that challenge of mental illness. Do you understand how many people there are out there today like that? Do you realize how many people in our community struggle with mental health issues and it's one of the least addressed issues in our city? We still have racism. It's not like it was when I first got here. When I was a youth director at Highland, one of my joyful memories is that we were called by a pastor named Dewey Pinckney. There was a little place over on the east side of town near where a Sam's Club is now called No Man's Land. Anybody know where No Man's Land is? I love that you know them. There's a little pocket of poverty, uh, floodplain, I mean real poverty. People who didn't have um, running water, outhouses for toilets. Uh, Reverend Dewey Pinckney, African-American pastor, was kind of an activist guy. He was pastor of St. Mary's Baptist Church. I didn't know you could have a St. Mary's Baptist Church. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> yeah. And and I remember uh, he called me one day and said, would you bring your youth group over to no man's land and do a vacation Bible school with our kids? We don't have any resources, but we really want to have our kids have an opportunity. And we did. Now, you got to understand, this is 60 years ago almost, 55 years ago. And the parents who allowed me to take their kids, their teenagers over there, I, I have great admiration for them because it was a real prejudiced world. Blacks on one side of town, whites on the others, Hispanics in the south side. But we went. And there, these students that are here now, that are now 68 years old, will tell you that was one of the most transformative times of our Christian life. We learn more about God and learning to love across the barriers of our culture than any other time I ever uh, used directed. We had to see past 
the background changes. Now, we still have this assumption sometimes that because we're, many of us are white middle class, that we've got it together and they don't. I learn more about the kingdom from them sometimes than I ever did in the seminary. Faith to pray that I would have food for the day. I know, I pray for that. I thank God for my food. But, you know, I, I know there's enough money in the bank to pay for my food. But when you don't have money in the bank, you pray differently. When you are struggling with social issues, when you are sitting in county jail or in prison, everything begins to look different than the world we live in. And I, now I'm in that world. And so when Janet and I were having breakfast that one Friday morning at Taco Cabana, we, had a, um, we looked across the street over there by Baylor and saw these men that were sleeping under the bridge. And we said, you know, we don't understand homelessness. We don't really understand why people are out there. Why don't they get a job or do better? We had our stereotypes of why people are homeless. And I remember that uh, we said, let's go invite them to breakfast and ask them. Let's, let's don't assume, let's ask them why they're on the streets. And so we did. We brought, brought them over for breakfast and they came. And for the next two or three hours, we talked and we listened. I loved hearing their stories. They were very honest about how hard it was as a kid in their lives. Had I grown up like them, I too would have been homeless. And so would most of you. But by the grace of God, I didn't have to experience some of the things they did. But that went well. And they said, well, let's do this again next week. So we went back to Taco Cabana and they brought a few more friends. The third week, breakfast cost $250. <laughs> And this was a long time ago, and I sure didn't have that kind of money. So I said, we, Janet and I just can't do that. We, we can't afford it every week. But I said, they said, well, why don't you come under the bridge? They invited us to come under the bridge and lead a Bible study, and we went. I remember Janet sang several songs. I said something about Romans chapter 1. And it was so fun. It was noise. Couldn't hear a thing each other said because the traffic above. It was cold. It was in the winter. We, we basically, uh, it was raw. And we thought, well, thank, over, thank goodness this is over. They said, will you come back? Yeah, we'll come back. And we came back. And we came back again. We came back again. Now for 31 years we've been coming back. Uh, we have been down there almost without exception. Um, well, it's, I, it's, don't applaud us. I love it. I go because I want to be there. This is not, don't put us on a pedestal. We're just normal people. I love worshiping with our people. It's real. It's raw. It's ugly sometimes. But by the grace of God, we've learned. I want to ask you to add to your list of things to consider this year as you make resolutions. To cross the barriers that you live with today to learn what it means to be related to somebody who is poor. People who may be different in color of skin. I'd love for you to get to know the Hindu man behind the 7-Eleven cash register who comes every day to work and people treat him like he's a nobody. He is a somebody in the kingdom of God. To break free from the prejudices of our ethnicity and our culture and begin to spread out across the city. I believe that the church is the primary agent of change in this nation. I believe it wholeheartedly. In fact, there was a time in our history where the only money that was even ever helped poor people was from the church. And slowly we began to abdicate our role and the government took over. The government began to do what we weren't doing anymore. That's true today more than ever. 
That doesn't mean all churches don't give the poor. We have our seasons, and I'll be honest, sometimes this is a hard season for me. But somehow, just like we do New Year's resolutions, we also awaken to, oh, it's Christmas, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I need to do something for those people. Do you know people get hungry in July? Just like they do at Christmas time? That the call for us who've been blessed by God is to bless, just like with Abraham. We are blessed to bless. To get up out of our places of safety and security and enter the pain of the world. The word compassion literally means, here I am where I've got a place of comfort. Where I get up out of that place of comfort and I enter the world of the pain. Nothing will change your life in the kingdom of God like becoming friends with people who struggle more than you. But I also will tell you something, the presupposition I didn't have, that you're, you, they know more sometimes about faith than you know. That you will learn and grow as you begin to see how much they have faith that sometimes we don't have. Let's look at some of the challenges as we talk about what we have to do to, to make those changes. Change is difficult. It is not easy. Sometimes we minimize it. Oh, you just need to go lose 30 pounds. Yeah, like that's easy. It's hard. It's painful. Sometimes change is unrealistic. I was the shortest kid in my school, at high school. My mother was about the size of Oompa Loompa. Uh, and I was the shortest kid in, in school till the next year when my brother came to school. And he was till the next brother got there. We were all just little. And so my middle name is McClellan. And so my, I got called Little Mac. So my whole high school year, most people call me Little Mac instead of Jimmy. Shouldn't have told you that now, should have. You're going to call me that. And um, being small, I, it wasn't horrible. And I loved school and I did fine. I wasn't going to be on the football team. But we, uh, we loved, uh, I had good friends. But I remember the, the wish sometime if I just was taller or bigger, we all have those things. We look at ourselves and think, oh, how? sometimes we have unrealistic dreams of change. I will always be short till I die. In fact, I'm getting shorter each year. Uh, but that's okay. Don't put something on your list. You really can't change. Thirdly, you must recognize and admit that the current plan you're on is not working. Do you know how many times I tried to lose weight and couldn't? Uh, it just, I'd eat, I'd eat better. I would eat less, and I'd lose 10 or 15 pounds. But then we'd have Thanksgiving. Then somebody bring a pie. Then the, so over the time, as the year would go by, at least two or three times a year, I would gain and lose weight. And one day, uh, I woke up. My wife has a picture of me. She, she didn't do it out of meanness, but it helped. Uh, she left a picture of me, how big I was at one point. And uh, it, there were two of me at one point. So I see that picture, and thank God that we've been able to. But I began, we began to lose weight. And, and the point is not that I lost weight, but the point is that, for the, by the grace of God, learn how to keep it off. And I did the research about, what is it, all of us that raise our hand on, I need to lose weight. You know what the number one thing that was consistent with all diets, regardless of what kind of diet you had, is that you did it for over a year. That's bad news, isn't it? It's one thing to lose weight for a few weeks or a month or two. But if you do it a year, the percent of you keeping that weight off is over half of you will continue to keep that weight off. Well, I learned sort of the same thing. But it's hard. And it, I had to admit that I, I, I just kept going back to the same old patterns. We have to continue to be diligent. 
It takes time. Number five, saying you want to change is not enough to make it happen. Uh, I am really thankful. One of the ministries of Mission Waco that we had um, early on was Manor House. Men, a residential Christian treatment house that we still have in Mission Waco, that is for men ready to change. Now, these are men who can't afford to go. Do you know what it costs today to go to recovery in substance abuse? It's unbelievably expensive. So so many people can't even get in a place. But we were able to keep raising money so that Manor House could be funded and uh, 11 guys could live there. Uh, the, the impact of change there has been amazing. Not only because it's Christian, but because the leadership we've had at Manor House. Are you guys here this morning? I don't know. I didn't get to see. Okay, will you stand up? These are my heroes. Stand up. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna break, you won't believe I'm going to do this. We all stand back up and say your, uh, the, the uh, philosophy. You can hear it from here. I'm, I, they had no idea I was going to do this. This is, I love to hear this and should have had them on stage. Here we go. recovery on anything, whatever your habit is, it's hard, there will be challenges, but you've got to admit you've got a problem. Many times we say, well, I need to do better this year, but I want to challenge you this year in 2024, whatever your issue is, give yourself a good self-examination. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you really see who you are. Because patterns get embedded in our lives, and it's very hard to change. But by the grace of God, once you see it, then you got to begin a journey. And that journey, there are a few times that I think God does miraculous things. I know alcoholics who have gotten cured overnight because of a prayer by, that they made and cry to God. But more times, it is over time. And as these men will tell you and others will tell you in any kind of addiction, it takes constant accountability, constant time, and it's hard. There's tough days in there where you wish you could go back home before you get clean and sober for a long time. And I want you to know that whatever it is, it's the same pattern for all of us. You can't force somebody to change. We all tried to do that. I had two alcoholic brothers. One was a homeless man that died on the streets of Waco, Texas. I watched my own brother who could never lick alcohol. He came to this church. He played music at Highland Baptist Church sometimes. 
I've, I've watched up close this need to transform people. I have a brother that went to prison for seven DWIs because he also had an alcohol. He's been clean and sober for 35 years. He did it. But, but yeah, but I'm telling you, all of us, all of us know people who are struggling besides ourselves. And I want you to know, no matter how much you give them the guilt trip, that will not be the thing that changes them. It'll be the words of encouragement. It'll be hanging in there for a long time with them. Over time, maybe, just maybe, they may not change, but at least they have a chance. There will be relapses. Hear this. I grew up in a church where I remember people going off and get clean and sober, and uh, we were so proud of them, and they'd come back and tell their story. But maybe a year or two years later, they relapsed. And you know what I did in my church way? I judged them. Well, you deserve what you get. We did all this praying for you. We encouraged you. And look at you. have gone out there and done it again. Hold on. People, whatever you do, you will relapse. You will eat that piece of pie you shouldn't have eaten after you lost that weight. You will make a mistake again. That's when you need the encouragers. That's when you need people who will stand with you and say, I know you failed, but we've not given up on you. We will continue to stand with you. Encouragement is hard, but that's one of the gifts of the church, especially standing with somebody who's not where you want them to be. It's hard, especially when it's family. I want to spend just a minute showing you a couple slides. Um, I wish this was the, the, let's see the tadpole here. Do we got the tadpole guy? Uh, the word metamorphosis is a, a big change, a quick change. But here you are as a tadpole. This is the normal life of a tadpole. You grow and you grow and grow, and finally one day you become a frog. It's natural. It's the way God made us. Growth at some level is natural. Change, maturity. The book of Hebrews talks about why do you keep drinking milk? Why do you keep acting like a baby? You're an adult. Grow up. But we keep staying in the tadpole stage when the goal is to become a frog. Well, you could also become a butterfly. Monarch butterfly. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> do you, know what the, you know what the goal of a caterpillar is? is to eat so much food that you finally can't eat anymore and you become a, a butterfly. What a great goal in life. <laughs> you just keep eating and you finally one day become a butterfly. It's a striking change of form of nature, a thing a person is completely different from one. This is the way God wants us to be mature. He wants us to change. He wants us to go through different processes, but we get really comfortable. Well, I'm doing okay. And we are. I mean, we got enough money to pay for the bills. We go to church. We got a job. We have this sense of complacency that thinks because of where I am is enough. God's goal is to mature us, continue to grow us up. Over time, where we are socially, we can grow. I know kids in my youth group that were here that were shy as teenagers and now are strong businessmen or women. They grew past where they were. Now, there's a few of them still stuck back there. There are changes that have to happen in all of our life that take encouragement. I want us to conclude with three verses. Let's look first at, um, which one you got up there first? Second Corinthians and then, pick up there you go. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's you. The old is gone. You may not think it's gone because you still slip, say a word you shouldn't have said. You still have an attitude. You still get selfish. But that new creation is in you. The new has come. Salvation is so much more than going to heaven. We have really restricted the gospel to think, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to raise my hand and say those words and get baptized and take care of that so someday I'll go to heaven. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is partially a lie. The gospel is that God comes in and changes you, overcomes your sin, transforms you so that you can be his creation for the rest of your life, even into heaven. Another verse. Take the next verse, if you would. By this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So many of us have determined that being a, a baby in Christ is okay. It's not. Grow up. Begin. And, and I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just suggesting to you that mature Christians move outside of the box of what they did as infants. It's not about you. You don't come to worship for you. If you come to church and say, oh, I just love worship. It makes me feel so good. Then you missed it. It's not about you. It's about God. We come to worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come to have, be transformed to a place of supernatural where we can celebrate now and forever the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And lastly, one more verse. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If I had a week with you, if you got to know me and I got to know you better, we could talk more honestly about some of those patterns. One of the things that we do as cultural Christians is we baptize Christianity and culture together. A guy named Niebuhr, Richard Niebuhr, brother named Reinhold Niebuhr, wrote a book called Christ in Culture. And what he said to us was, there are three different ways Christians typically approach the culture they live in. One is that they move away from culture. They say, I, I'm a, we're going to get away from all that. We're going to live out on the farm. We're going to get away from all those bad people downtown. We're going to live out here in this isolated area. We're going to not have social media. We're going we're to literally live a very isolated life. If you know history, the culture of the church, that's the Anabaptist culture. Many who became Mennonites or come out of the um, Brethren Church, a whole, a whole part of Christianity that came out of Europe, where basically it was to get away from culture and live isolated and avoid some of the messes of the city. That's not wrong. It's just then the theology is what we call Matthew 5. Let's look on the hillside out here and see. The other side is way on the opposite side. It's not even Christian. It is culture and Christianity get mixed together. And all of a sudden, the guy on the corner that asks you for money is saying, God bless you. All of a sudden, we get religious language, particularly in Waco, Texas, in a religious culture. We mix religion and cultural values, making money 
to bless God. God doesn't need your money. You are privileged to have the money you have for the sake of the kingdom. All of a sudden, your values begin to come different. When you, when you're, but we have such a messy life where culture and Christianity have been so mixed up. Instead of living this radical Christian life. The third model, which is one I would affirm in many ways, is to say that we live in the culture but not of the culture. We live in the middle of it, but we don't have to be absorbed by it. Brother and sister, I challenge you to leave the, as you go out the doors on any worship service, to realize church isn't over. You walk into the church in some way. The kingdom of God is out these doors. What you do when you leave here matters. How you spend your money, what you believe, everything about you becomes for the sake of the kingdom of God. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And would you do this? Would you pray, Holy Spirit, mature my faith. Lord, in 2024, may the very Holy Spirit of God call me into repentance in areas where we are out of control. God, continue to point out the areas of my life that are weak and childlike so that I can grow up. God, give me a call to the city in ways I don't have right now. To love the poor, the marginalized, the misfits, the prisoner, the hungry, the lost. To have a passion for the things that matter to you. Because when you ask us, did we see you? Many of us have to say, no, we didn't. God, help us have eyes to see and ears to hear those that you love. Lord, thanks for your time with us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.